With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. All right, kind of think about this with the NBA uh, thing. I'm, I'm going to throw out the two most disappointing teams of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. And then the two most surprising teams, like the two teams that surprised you the most. Just, you know, just a little, you know, discussion yeah, about what you cool. think. Yeah. So um, I thought about – well, somebody just asked me the question, actually. I thought, like, damn, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I literally – I'm trying to think of anything else. Okay. Not much on the spring game. Just going to set it up a little bit. I mean, you know, puck quarterbacks, you know, it's not much to really say. All right. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up during uh, the interview was Todd Richards coaching Team USA. Yeah, that's uh, right. We we can tease it. Well, this is the thing. He's coming on at 815, so we'll do 10 minutes of just Blue Jackets, you know, talking about the season and whatnot, then we'll throw to that. Um, and okay. then we'll come back and talk about the NHL playoffs, me and you a little bit, and then end the show. You know what I'm saying? We'll go through the questions with him if you want to throw something in there, when you, you know, whatever. But we can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. that a little bit right. before I kind of say that. Um, and you can ask him. You can ask him whatever you want to. Just you're saying. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably have some follow ups as he talks. I like to write down and. Yeah, I'll leave a space after every mind. question. I'll leave a space after every question. I'll just ask every question. Just jump in with questions when you want to. So. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, because that's that's something I do want to talk about because I don't care for it actually. Okay. I know it's a, I know it's a great honor. This is just I know it's a great honor, but this team needs to focus on two things: staying healthy this off season, and you know, like they need to be all systems ahead, making sure they're in the playoffs and they're playing this time next year. So you know, that's a yeah. huge distraction. Right. And this guy is not like we got a Stanley Cup sitting down, you know, on Nationwide Boulevard. Yeah, I, I, I hear there's the other side of that coin though, is he gains experience with great players, you know, and and it's a learning experience. You know, you got an opportunity to compete at the highest level against the highest uh, talent as far as the, the available talent because of the playoffs. Well, I'll give you this. He's personally scouting all the guys that will say will play against. I'll take that part of it. But, you know, he's, the learning right. experience he's scouting of, against. Well, he's scouting against and he's playing with uh, – he's got guys on his team that he's going to be playing against in the years coming up too. So yeah, that's what I mean. You, yeah, you can gain I mean, some yeah. knowledge from that in both, in yeah. both directions, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'll take that side of it, but I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. um, consider. No, I agree. Jack- I agree they, with you though that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, we have bigger fish to fry. So to yeah. Speak. <laughs> that's all I was trying to say. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to say anything else. We'll go through the playoff, uh, series real quick. Not much to say on that. Uh, Regular show. Yeah, regular show is not much. <laughs> I wrote rundowns for both if you want me to do them. Yeah, that's fine. 
And then I'm not going to get to screaming about these uniforms. I just I don't have energy. <laughs> we'll we'll get into it a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to go crazy about it. I'm I'm pretty much indifferent. That's the same way I feel actually. Because I'm you not know. happy. I'm not happy with them. But at this point, you know, we're stuck with them for five years. So what can you do? Yeah. If I march on Berea, if I march on Berea, you know, saying it's not even worth it. So, you know. Well, and, and there's and there's enough different combinations that we can bitch about a new one each week <laughs> for for eight weeks, <laughs> ten weeks. Great news about Carrasco, thank God for that. Jesus. What's that? I said great news about Carrasco. Oh, thank God, yeah. No shit. That was a good line you had. One lucky cookie or whatever it was. Oh, one tough cookie, yeah. Yeah, one tough cookie, that's what it was. Yeah, it made me laugh. All right, well, we can start the Blue Jackets one. Because we might as well start talking. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Our Columbus Blue Jackets wrap-up show. One last hug for all the fifth liners and all the CBJ jacket backers everywhere. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Columbus, and we're talking CBJ. Uh, yeah, we, go ahead and give us the rundown, Jake. Yeah, the CBJ went streaking uh, at the end of the season, and it's something we can build on and glimpse in the next season. We'll uh, welcome to the show TJ Nogar of the CBJ Artillery. He'll break down the year that was and preview the Stanley Cup playoffs. In the final segment, we'll tie up some loose ends for the Jackets and then pick the playoffs. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will see you on the other side talking about how the Blue Jackets finished strong this NHL season. All right, we're back. And, Jake, uh, I know you had the we had the Columbus Blue Jackets funeral a couple podcast episodes uh, earlier, uh, but uh, they really showed and proved what they could do when healthy. And, I mean, my goodness, uh, 12 out of the last 13, I mean, the, the comebacks, we've been discussing it, you know, show after show, but – this really was truly something special the way the Blue Jackets finished this season. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the season, it's pretty bittersweet. Uh, the way we ended the season was the way we expected a lot of the season to go. Uh, we got healthy and we got a glimpse of what could have been. Uh, just pretty unfortunate how uh, devastated we were with injuries at uh, the wrong positions at the wrong times. But uh, there's lots to lots to look forward to. Um, you know, I, I I'm very encouraged by the 13 game point streak to finish the season. You know, a lot of teams in that position um, they they have a tendency to to start booking tea times and worrying about vacations and all that other sort of stuff. And for a team to rally and and put on that sort of show and and that sort of cohesiveness to, to close the season says a lot about uh, not only the players, but the coaching staff and uh, how much they want to play for each other and like each other. 
uh, it's it's really easy to be selfish in those situations. And, you know, I mean, they finished that se- the season, and the only thing that kept them out of the playoffs was they ran out of time. Uh, they, uh, they, they were dead, um, but, uh, you know, they, it, it took them a long, long time to, to breathe that breath, last breath. There, there's no doubt. And, I mean, the way that they were winning these games, I mean, oh, you know, going, going to the shootouts, I mean, uh, and, uh, the, the one thing that we saw, we saw what the health could do, you know, as far as the scoring, but we also saw what the health could do to have Sergei Bobrovsky back between the pipes. Uh, the performances that he put on some of these games. I mean, I know this. There's not an NHL team that wanted to see the Blue Jackets in the first round of the NHL playoffs. No, absolutely. And, you know, I look at this team this year and look at how the light, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are this year. And that's kind of said it before, but uh, I expect similar things. You know, the Lightning uh, lost a lot of uh, man games last year to big guys like Steven Stamkos. But uh, got healthy this year, and you know they missed last year. But now they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, or I'm sorry, the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. But uh, so I mean, it's definitely possible. And the NHL is uh, a very uh, uh, shoot. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's a very parity-driven league. There, there's, there's definitely room to improve and make the playoffs. Uh, as as we've seen this year. So a uh, lot to look forward to. And as far as Bobrovsky goes, I mean, he, he's a year removed from being the best goaltender in the NHL. Uh, in, in the playoffs, we all know that the goaltending wins you Stanley Cups. It's the hottest goalie and the most timely goals. Uh, so I, I think the lesson learned from this year for the front office is we need to make sure we have a very solid backup in, in place next year going forward because we can't have the entire load on him and you can't count on a goalie to stay healthy for, for an entire 82 game season. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, there's not too many goalies that go through the full NHL season. We know most of those guys are playing hurt most of the time, but I mean, just without needing to uh, sit out a couple games or sit out a trip, you know, um, you know, a road trip or something like that. Uh, when we talk about this season, too, um, one of the exciting things is that we saw some of the young guys come up from Springfield, and we know Marco Dano's out there and that the Falcons are making a run. Uh, you know, give, give us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we got great contributions from some of the young guys. Uh, Alex Weinberg, it comes to mind for sure. Uh, it was good to get Ryan Murray healthy at the end of the year, and he stepped back on the ice and looked like he didn't miss a beat. Uh, and you talked about Marco Dano, who's absolutely my favorite of the bunch. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a stud. He reminds me of a Scott Stevens power forward, uh, or I'm sorry, Kevin Stevens power forward type uh, uh, goal scorer. So, and and the experience he's going to get down in Springfield is going to be great. If they make the playoffs and he get and he can get into a playoff run, uh, you know that that's experience in big games, no matter what level it is, and that's always good to get. Plus, a lot of those guys down there are going to be his teammates in Columbus here in the next couple of years. So uh, anytime you get to build some continuity with that uh, is, is a great situation. He's eligible to do it, so uh, let's get it done. And if they don't end up making the playoffs or their playoff run uh, ends early, he'll be joining um, the Slovak team for the, the, uh, the world championships. Yeah, we speak of the World Championships. We know who we coach in the red, white, and blue. It is the red, white, and blue zone. Columbus Blue Jackets head coach, Ty Richards. 
How exciting is that? Yeah, uh, you know, we we kind of talked a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, there's a couple ways to look at it. I I, I kind of look at it as, you know, it's, it's the off season, and he'll be able to play, have some of the best talent in the world and have, uh, you know, a coaching experience playing against some of the best talent in the world. And he'll be coaching other NHL players who uh, eventually he's going to have to coach against or maybe down the road coach uh, end up coaching. So uh, I, I think it diversifies him a little bit, gives him a little bit more perspective to be working with other NHL coaches and get a glimpse into their systems. So I, I think there's a lot of positives. Uh, there, there's some negatives also that uh, I, I know you uh, had mentioned. Well, I just think in one of the other things, the story came out that the Blue Jackets are going to try to address this offseason, uh, staying healthy and maybe some things that they can look at to keep the guys healthy. You know, I sent out the tweet, maybe we send everybody home with bubble wrap. But, you know, uh, I think that, you know, I think it's a great honor. You know, Todd Richards is coaching and, like, how do you turn that down? You really can't, but – I mean, the Blue Jackets are so close to taking it to the next level and bringing home that Stanley Cup uh, to Columbus, Ohio, that uh, this is a huge distraction for the Blue Jackets during the offseason. And I'm hoping the Blue Jackets, you know, team doctors, everybody, uh, including within the organization, maybe has to call up Chip Kelly here and uh, see what they did. Because, you know, the Eagles were one of the NFL franchises that not have an injury uh, during the offseason last year, and it uh, bled through through the season where they had most of their starters play the full season in the NFL. And so, you know, I mean, I, we know that skating is a little more demanding than, you know, running, but um, I think that's something the Blue Jackets definitely have to focus on and keep the focus, a laser-like focus on it. So, uh, but, you know, I will always root with the Team USA, and I believe we will win. Yeah, and you make a good point. It's definitely going to take time away from uh, the job he's being paid paid to do, um, and that's winning hockey games for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, you would like to be able to see – uh, you know, it, it, the Yarmo and John Davidson and him work together and continue to work the plan. But at the same time, in this day and age, uh, it, I, I think you can get it done. But yeah, there, there's definitely that uh, taking the eye off the ball of, of what the the big prize is for for the team that's paying them. Like I said, there's no question. There's no question. Well, we're so happy to be joined by T.J. Nokar of the CBJ Artillery. We'll be coming back with him after the break, talking all things Columbus Blue Jackets and getting the story of how he became a member of the Artillery and also what he thought about this season by our Columbus Blue Jackets. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D.N.J. We will see you on the other side. It is a great honor. Uh, there is something to be said by the U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee to know that the Todd Richards is in the right. Is uh, I was going to say. Oh yeah, I'm trying to say that you know that they recognize him. But you pretty much said that, that you know Jarmo and those guys found a great coach. Uh, oh, I know something I wanted to talk about. Oh, well, he's joining us right now. I was going to say something about Dan Hino still being involved. I saw that as a consultant. I think that's awesome. TJ, how you doing? Not bad. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. You got me and Jake, so. Hey, all TJ, right. good, to good. good to talk to you. All so, right. Uh, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty easy going, TJ. Um, if you say something you want to start over, we take, so it's not like you're a live podcast or anything like that. 
and um, you know we can always go back to it or anything like that. So, um, but it's it's pretty straightforward, man. We're just talking hockey, talking Blue Jackets. You know, sounds good. All right, this is with an Ohio bias podcast for real fans with D and Jake, and we are so happy to be joined by TJ Nocar of the CBJ Artillery. But first, TJ, uh, say hello to all the with an Ohio bias listeners. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Glad to be on the show. I've uh, been following you guys for a little while, so it was nice to get the uh, the message asking me to be on. Yeah, no, we. I mean, we've thought it was pretty good. We know. Um, you know, that we had uh, Jordan and Matt on, so we figured we wanted to, you know, finish the triumphant here. So I thought it was no other time than our one last hug podcast, you know, to uh, bring you on. Uh, Absolutely. Save the best for last. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure those guys are going to love that. Now, you started with Blue Jackets Nation. We know the artillery just had their anniversary. Give us how you came to be a part with Matt and Jordan and how, the whole We Are the Fifth Line movement got started? Well, uh, as far as our little partnership goes, it started, um, say, probably about middle of last season. I remember when those two started up, it was right before the hockey season started. You know, I kind of thought to myself, oh, great. It's another, you know, another anonymous Blue Jackets account. Let's see where these guys go with it. Because we had a a number of them pop up, you know, right before that season started. And, you know, lo and behold, midway through the season, I realized, you know, hey, we actually have a lot of like-minded ideas, a lot of the same things we like to talk about or the direction we want to go with interacting with all the other fellow Jackets fans. So I uh, talked to Matt and Jordan about it, and we all thought that it was a great idea to kind of bounce ideas back and forth to each other. Um, and that's where that really started. Now, as far as the fifth line goes, that was that was a whole other interesting experience. Um, fifth line started, it was kind of a brainchild of mine during one of my many uh, – late night, I guess you could say two, three o'clock in the morning, uh, brainstorming sessions, uh, came up with this graphic. I said the phrase, we are the fifth line, and I wanted people to know what it meant. So I tweeted it out the next day with an explanation and uh, didn't really go anywhere um, that first day. But then a couple days later, and I know Jackets fans really hate thinking about this game, but uh, we played the Chicago Blackhawks. We ended up losing the game with, I think, like 3.4 seconds remaining or something like that. They scored on us, went on to win the game. And we were a little down and out because we're fighting for a playoff spot. You know, every point's crucial at this point. And uh, Matt starts talking to Jordan about this fifth line thing that I came up with. They approached me and said, hey, we want to turn this into a hashtag and run with it. You know, it's something that we think is really cool. The fans might enjoy it. So we started there, obviously put the hashtag out by the first game against the New York Islanders. Um, We had already seen a big spike in the popularity of the hashtag, And within a matter of a couple of days, I think it was being used on average at least about 4,000 times a day and uh, gained us a little bit of recognition for the the, the quick fan movement that started. I mean, we we had an article with the Jackets. The NHL took notice, um, talked to people like the Dispatch, as well as um, we're on various radio and news stations here just talking about not only the fifth line, but we got to talk about Jackets hockey and keep expanding it to more and more people. the fifth line, though, as far as, like, we just hit our one-year, you know, anniversary about a week or so ago. And uh, the thing is, is that a lot of people have embraced it, and it's, it's, it's by far beyond what we could have ever imagined. But it's just nice to see that Columbus, who used to get made fun of all the time for our lack of fans or lack of passion 
or being nice fans, something like that, that we have an identity and that people can recognize us as fifth liners. Um, they can also recognize us now as a arena that they don't really want to come into because now we're loud, you know, we're rowdy, we're making it difficult for the opposing team. So I'm just really glad that the fifth line took off and that we were able to come up with something that not only helped the fans, but, you know, is helping the team as well. Yeah, that's not what they said. <laughs> the other two. <laughs> no, that was that's great, uh, great stuff. What a what a cool way to kind of integrate yourselves within the culture of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on how it's been embraced, uh, the fifth line movement? Um, I I really couldn't even put into words the way people have taken to the fifth line. And the thing is, like, yeah, there's a handful of people that know who Matt and Jordan and I are. They know that, you know, we came up with this whole thing and, and, and pushed it out. But the nice thing is is still the anonymity of who really made it. I mean, there's a lot of people that used to be going out there and buying fifth line T-shirts and the shirtsies and, you know, hats and stuff like that. And they're making signs or using the hashtag and stuff like that. And it's just become more of a unity among the fans and not just about a couple of individuals that started something last year before the playoff push. And the fact that we can see fans from not just here in Columbus, but I mean, we've had fans from other countries such as England and Germany that are, you know, they call themselves fifth liners. They've used the hashtags and, and, you know, tweeted out pictures of them in fifth line gear. We've had people in other States. Um, We've seen on, you know, pregame clips um, before the team takes the ice, you know, we, we might catch a couple of Jackets fans wearing fifth line gear or having fifth line signs, you know, behind the glass during player warmups. So it's just great to see that not only is the fifth line being embraced, but it's being spread like th- throughout, you know, the U.S., other parts of the world, that Blue Jackets hockey is something exciting and something that people want to get behind. Well, we know the city of Columbus hosted the NHL All-Star Game, and I think now I like to call Columbus Hockey City because of we are the fifth line and how that uh, everybody got tired of the cannons blowing so much. And you talk about that hostile environment that now is Nationwide Arena. Um, how does it feel now? The banner goes up, the cannons blow, it's there. But all of the world during the NHL All-Star game got to see it, and you had a front row seat for that. Talk about that with us. Oh, it, it was absolutely great to see, to, to allow other people to find see Because, I mean, Columbus, we're, I guess you could say, a niche market. We're, we're not a big market. You don't see, I mean, we're known mostly, and, you know, I, I personally, I love the Buckeyes, but I hate this analogy. We're known as a college town because of how popular our college football team and lately our basketball team has become. But it was nice to show people who don't maybe get to see our games on TV or who don't take the chance, you know, to visit out here to watch a game, you know, with the Jackets, just how great the city is, how much people love their hockey here, you know, how much our city has to offer for those who do come here for hockey. It was it was just a fantastic overall experience. I uh, I got a chance to talk with many fans from all over, and just nothing but praises came out of their mouth about the arena, the um, you know Winter Park, the fanfare, everything that went on in Columbus, and just everything the city had to offer was just top notch. Uh, they they put on a heck of a show for all of all of hockey fans. And we're talking with TJ of the fifth, uh, I'm sorry, of the CBJ artillery. Um, you know, the the fifth line movement. I'm, I'm curious. Do you know? Do you have any response about how that's perceived around the league and other fan bases? Do, are they aware of it? Uh, how do you have a feel for that at all? 
Um, I, I definitely know that there's a lot of fan bases that are aware of it. Um, a couple actually after the fifth line started here, you started seeing things um, through some other cities pop up with fifth line. You saw some all of a sudden some junior hockey or, you know, AHL level hockey teams that started integrating fifth line stuff into what they were what they were promoting with their team. Um, I also saw um, some people, like when the NHL shared the Blue Jackets story about the fifth line, um, there were some fans of other teams. Some of them were like, you know, of course, making jokes. Why, how does Columbus have a fifth line? You know, they don't have fans or whatever. Well, we've obviously proven that wrong. But then other people were also like, you know, well, why didn't we think of this? Like, it's great. It's nice to see a small market like that, you know, get their fans rallied behind something, you know, all being unified together, rooting for their team. So, I mean, there was a lot of positive. Of course, there was going to be jokes and some negative. And, you know, I, I mean, I just was in uh, New York this past weekend for the final game against the Islanders, and I had my custom, you know, fifth-line jersey on, and I had some ribbing from uh, some fans a couple rows back about the fifth-line and stuff as well. So they know it just as well up in uh, Long Island. That's all right. We got to close out that crappy old barn the right way. So, well, and speaking but, uh, of that, let's talk. About, let's talk about the hockey, uh, TJ. The Blue Jackets season. We know about the injuries, everything. But you talk about that Islanders game. The CBJ finished this season white hot. What could have been, and put the season in perspective for us. Well, I, there's two words that instantly come to mind. One of them is disappointing, and the other one is promising. I say disappointing because after last year's playoffs. You know, obviously, we wanted more. We saw what our team could do. We saw us play with the best of them in Pittsburgh, and, you know, we, we played our hearts out. And we, we saw that this team was coming back and that things could only get better. But, unfortunately, the disappointment came in the fact that we got plagued with injury after injury. And, I mean, the team was going all throughout the league, plucking players up as we could to fill holes because, I mean, we've we got we to put a hockey team out on the ice. But uh, as far as the promising side goes, I mean, look at this team. We had – a strong preseason, 7-1-0. and I mean, we were dubbed the unofficial preseason champs, and then we started the season 4-1. and But then after that, you know, injuries finally started taking tolls. We started losing some games, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't good because we've always had a history of slow starts. Um, following up with that, we, um, you know, eventually roughed the storm, I guess you could say, and thought things were getting a little better. We hit December and had that nice uh, seven-game win streak, which was one shy of tying the franchise record. And then uh, we, um, again, hit more rough patches. We made the trades, you know, thought maybe we could do some things to help our team out. Um, and then, obviously, new guys come in and get injured with Bork and Clarkson. Um, but then the, the way the season ended, we saw almost, I would say, probably about a good 90 to 95% of our regular roster healthy and on the ice together. You saw – Guys like Dano and Wenberg also make huge strides from beginning to end of the season. Dano put up, I think, like eight goals or something in his rookie campaign. Wenberg, I believe, had like four, um, which is great for guys that are playing in, you know, North American hockey for their first time ever. And uh, seeing Hartnell, what he brought to our team, I mean, he was playing on a line with two rookies for a nice chunk there at the end. Um, and just the, the heart and the soul of our team came back. You got to see this team, I think we finished off like 15-1-1, one, and one, in our last 17 games of the season, and we're right there as, like, the top team in the league during that stretch. I mean, just think of what the Jackets could be doing if they had made the playoffs. I don't think anybody would want to play us right now in the first round, let alone throughout the remainder of the playoffs. So, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. I, I, I just listened in um, not long before this, 
to uh, a call from JD to all the season ticket holders and such and was talking about the future of the team and that there is a lot to look forward to with this team. I mean, we've got so much young talent right now um, that played this year. Some guys only got a little bit of playing time, like uh, I'd say like uh, Reichel came up for a little bit. And um, we just – we have so much going going up for this team versus the other way around. In years past, I mean, we had so much negative to look at, I guess you could say, between the losing, not having big-name players want to come here and things of that nature. And so, I mean, everything's turned around. Our team was on – we only finished nine points out of the playoffs this year. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than that out of a team that was, you know, ridden with injuries, over 500 man games lost. So I'm, the only thing I can really say about this season is I'm looking forward to October and what a healthy Jackets team can do to just completely terrorize the NHL. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there, the sky's the limit for next season, for sure. Um, but, you know, every year there's a few changes, uh, some things you got to add. What are a couple of the things that you're looking for that uh, the CBJ might need to, to, to look to do to shore up some things? Um, honestly, the biggest thing I think right now is defense. And it's not the offensive production side of it. It's the defensive side. Well, we've got a great group of guys on our defensive core. I mean, some of these guys can move the puck really well. Some of them are offensive-minded. Some can lay the big hit. But if you watch some of the games, some of our, our I guess, mistakes that were costly turned into goals that maybe could have changed the outcome of a game came a lot on the defensive side. So I believe that's one area we really need to work on, whether that's via the draft or, you know, a signing in the offseason, maybe a trade. Or I mean, we've got a guy right now, Mike Riley, who is uh, he's currently – finished up his college career. He's going to be playing in Worlds right now. And, you know, we've got a, a window of time to try and, you know, sign him since we currently hold his rights. And he's been told he's had the every opportunity to jump right in and play with this team. And I believe that he would help our lineup as well as, you know, there's a couple other options out there. So that's probably the biggest area I'd say to focus on. And then we also, CBJ is the first time they've had three 25 goal scorers in one season in the history but I still think we could use more offense production. Now, whether that comes from within the organization with these young guys, you know, finally getting completely comfortable and scoring more goals, or if it comes from, you know, say a signing in the off season, because I mean, they say this is one of the deepest drafts that we've had in a long time, if not maybe ever, but I, I'm not going to go out there on a limb and say that one of these guys we draft at, you know, the A spot, if we don't potentially land number one in the draft, you know, is going to come right out and play right away for the Jackets. So, um, like I said, defense and I guess maybe offensive production would be my two biggest areas to focus on with this team. You mentioned the World Championships um, going on, and, and Todd Richards has been named uh, the head coach of Team USA. And I think one of the things with uh, Coach Richards that happened during this streak, it really solidified his place going into next season. I think if they had uh, tanked and gone the other way. Uh, we'd have some questions, and he may have a little bit longer or a little bit shorter of a leash. But uh, now that things went the way they did, and he's Team USA coach. Uh, just some just some thoughts on the the World Championships and the honor of uh, being named the coach. I mean, first off, just to have your head coach named as a head coach for a team, you know, in a world competition like that is definitely big. It's it's very um, humbling, I guess you could say, that they thought that Todd Richards has what it takes and has done enough, you know, to warrant getting to be the head coach of Team USA. 
Um, I, now, I have looked, you know, vaguely at some of the guys that should be on the roster, and he's got a tough task ahead of him because, I mean, a lot of these guys that could be playing, you know, in Worlds, you know, might not be available right now. There's, you know, this thing, Stanley Cup playoffs going on right now and such. But, I mean, if there's one guy that I think can face adversity and take a team and really push them to their limit, it's that guy. I mean, look at what he's done in Columbus. I mean, some of these guys, you know, like like I said with the young guys coming up out of nowhere and, you know, right towards the end here, they, they, they started looking fantastic. And I, I know some of it has to do with their own personal skill, but it also comes from the coach. Without great leadership, I mean, the guys that are there on the bench aren't going to be playing well. So, um that's, I'm just very happy to see that, that our head coach is going to be coaching Team USA as well as a handful of our players are, you know, playing for their respective countries in the uh, upcoming world. So that's also some great news to hear for Jackets as well. All right. Give us one of your favorite moments or moments from this season. Say one of my favorite moments, I would probably have to say, honestly, and I don't want to just, you know, take the easy way out, but the streak at the end, I mean, it was just the fact is the culmination of overcoming the adversity of all the injuries, not to mention during that streak, I believe seven of the teams we beat, one of which we beat twice, were all current playoff teams right now. Um, we set a franchise record for uh, wins in a row with the nine. We also set the record with 13, you know, straight games with a point to finish out the season. Not to mention we got to witness not one hat truck, not two, but three in a matter of two weeks if it was even a full two weeks from guys like Hartnell, Atkinson, and Nick Foligno, you know, so it was that, that by far, that reminded me why Blue Jackets hockey is so fun. And that's what's the kind of things that keep me around and make me want to be a fan and, and, you know, really just advocate for Blue Jackets hockey to everybody else that maybe doesn't have a team or doesn't know about Blue Jackets hockey. I mean, it's these kind of moments in seasons like this that really make me love being a Jackets fan. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I was able to break out that eight straight uh, uh, with the cannon inside the uh, inside the eight that you guys had made last year and put it up, you know, um, as my Facebook logo again, you know, as my Facebook profile picture again. Um, it, 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 it literally, the end of this season had me so in, in – I mean, it, 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 stirred, it stirred the drink, as they say, for next year. And, I mean, you can't say is it October yet. Uh, that's enough. I mean, literally, I was saying it as that game was ending, as you probably were walking out of the stadium up there in uh, New York, you know, I'm literally screaming in October yet because I'm so ready for more Blue Jackets hockey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Part of me part of me wasn't even completely comprehending the fact that our season was over because you watch this team on the ice and you're like, a team this hot, there's no way they shouldn't be in the playoffs. I remember listening to some NHL talk radio and uh, one of the guys said, is there any way that we can, you know, do a play-in game, let the Jackets play the eighth seed and you know, winner gets to get into the playoffs because it's almost a crime having the hottest team in the league right now not make the playoffs. So it's yeah, I think the Blue Jackets. Yeah, is the, yeah, I think the Blue Jackets tweeted out, "Can this game be worth twelve points or something like that?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there was a nice. And there, there, there were some Islanders fans that weren't too happy with that just because of the fact that they're also playing for you know they were playing for home ice in the first round against the Capitals and everything. But yeah, no, that would have been great if we could do like a final Jeopardy here where we wager our points on the line and you know, try and squeak our way into the playoffs. Can we talk about folks not being happy? What do you think of, uh, well, what do you think of the folks that maybe have been, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I know some folks who are advocating for the Blue Jackets to tank to try to improve their pick in the NHL draft. Uh, what do you think of NHL tanking, first of all? And then um, 
what what do you think the Blue Jackets have to look forward in this NHL draft uh, with possibly being in that eighth spot or getting the luck of the lottery and possibly getting the number one? Oh, first off, tanking to me in any sport, that is just the, that is one of those subjects that you never want to have to talk about because usually there's never kind things to be said when someone brings up the positive side of tanking. Now, granted, yes, there's guys like Eichel and McDavid in this draft, and they're generational players. Now, I mean, the Blue Jackets would only have the option of one of those guys, you know, if we got the number one pick. However, I personally don't feel like, with, for one, our head coach, he's a guy that coaches to win. All he wants to do is win, and, you know, he pushes these guys hard and wants them to play their best. So them tanking would, it would almost be, I mean, it would be completely obvious to us because this team was winning games, you know, maybe not as much as we'd like, but they were winning games when we had a beaten up, battered and bruised lineup. So with having all of our guys healthy and having them all back, if they wouldn't have gone on that 15-1-1 streak at the end, we probably all sitting here questioning, was the Jackets we saw last year, that you know, the real Jackets, or is this the real Jackets? And that can also deter a lot of people from wanting to continue to follow a team, you know, if they see you tanking. I, I just, I personally don't think that's a good business move. Yeah, you want to fill seats by bringing in this awesome player, but do you think that bringing in McDavid after, you know, tanking at the end and it probably being fairly on, or obvious that fans are going to be like, oh, you know, I definitely want to follow this team now just because they have McDavid? No, a lot of them are going to remember that the fact that your team purposely gave up a lot of games to try and get a better player for the franchise. And I know those guys in the locker room, they don't want to tank either. It's their dignity that's also on the line, and they also want to go out and, you know, work their hardest for the fans. So by tanking, what are you doing, you know, with all these people that have spent their hard-earned money to come and watch you play live when you're just losing games over and over purposely just to pick up a good player? No, you're absolutely right, and, you know, I, I believe losing breeds losing and winning breeds winning, and God knows the Blue Jackets have had a tough enough time changing a culture of, of uh, a locker room uh, just that that was very soft for a very long time. So, uh, I, absolutely, what a, what a great way to end the season. Um, but the season continues, the second season, that's for sure. Uh, the Razors are put in the drawer and the foil's been put on and uh, we're underway for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who do you like? Yeah, I'm currently currently balancing uh, talking to you guys and watching the Islanders-Capitals game right now, which seems to be a pretty good <laughs> matchup. Uh, but um, as far as my personal choice goes right now, oh, I didn't even realize the Islanders were up 3-1 to one right now. Um, and as far as my personal choice goes, I mean, I kind of like the underdog guy, so I'm a big fan of the Calgary Flames and what they're doing in the playoffs right now. The fact that they, you know, had to overcome some adversity, you know, as well as losing Giordano late in the season while they're making a push and still managed to get their way in. Not only just get in, but they're one of their, you know, top three seeds in the uh, in their division. So, I mean, yeah, I would love to see those guys win, but I'm also a realist. So, um, I personally have out of the, the Western Conference, I have the St. Louis Blues coming out. They Now, they've been one of the, the higher teams throughout the season, but I just I like the depth. I like the skill. They've got good defense. Um, their goalie tandems, while they're not elite superstar goalies, um, they do play really well. And I think that they have what it takes to go deep in the Western Conference. Um, I know a lot of people have looked at teams like Chicago because they're always there, or Anaheim because they have so much offensive power. But I'm pulling for St. Louis from the West. But my Stanley Cup winner is – and. Normally, I don't like this team, but I'm going with the uh, Montreal Canadiens this year. 
I think that it's going to be a rematch between them and the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final. But as long as we don't have Kreider running over Carey Price and injuring him for the re- remainder of the uh, series, I think that uh, the Montreal Canadiens will be able to uh, take out the Rangers and then go on and finish business in the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow, interesting. Lay happy taunts. And uh, they're in a great game right now. Uh, 3-2 Montreal, second period. Uh, three goals have just been scored in about two minutes. A live update. Oh, yeah. I think that, <laughs> this matchup is probably one of the more exciting matchups in the playoffs right now. You've got, you know, Montreal, who's obviously usually a fairly good team. I mean, look at them. They were, they were one of the best in the, in the Eastern Conference this year you know, battling right there for a while, you know, to win that President's Cup, which New York ultimately ended up winning. But, I mean, then they're playing a pesky Sens team that just has no quit. And, I mean, they've got the Hamburglar in net form. So, I mean, it's a great goalie battle as well. Great storyline, too. It's been a long time since Canada's hoisted one, and uh, it's going to piss off half of Canada and make the other half pretty happy. So, I like it. You're also going to piss off Max Juice. I know he's not a big uh, fan of the Habs. So, um, but, you know... uh, (laughs) Oh, we asked this question when we talk about uh, Stanley Cups. We know we want to see the Blue Jackets get to one. Do you think next season that we see the Blue Jackets put a C on somebody's chest and that person, that captain, leads them to a Stanley Cup? Um, well, I mean, it's it's already come out that the Blue Jackets said they will name a captain for next season. Um, I believe, in my own opinion, that we've had a guy on this team worthy of being captain for at least, you know, a solid season. But, um, yeah, I, I do. I definitely see them naming somebody. I don't know when. I don't know if it'll be early in the off season or if it'll be right before the season starts, maybe after the preseason. But, I mean, I'm really in a toss-up between three guys right now. Um, for starters, my honorable mention as a captain is Boone Jenner. I think he's the captain in waiting on this team. He's young. He's energetic. He, he's got the talent. He's, I, I believe he's got the leadership ability. But I feel like it might just be a little too soon, you know, only being his second season in. You know, he's been rattled with some injuries and stuff, so give him some more time to develop. But as far as, like, this offseason and naming a captain, I have it down between three guys, and that's Dubinsky, Felino, and Hartnell. And now I know Hartnell's a new guy, but he's got a lot of veteran presence. He came out. He showed us, you know, what he can do. He stood up for his teammates all throughout the year. He wants to be here. He's fully bought into what the Jackets are doing, and he wants to win. But on another end, too, we've got Dubinsky, who's been an alternate captain with the team, you know, for the majority of the time he's been here in Columbus. Um, And I I feel like he also embodies jacket hockey, very blue-collar, you know, hard, fast hockey. You know, and he's he's not afraid to drop the gloves either if there's a bit of an altercation. But a lot of people say his downfall is that uh, he can get a little too hot-headed sometimes, and maybe that's not a good quality he wants a captain. But um, Nick Foligno, I mean, yeah, he's had a breakout year this year, obviously. but when you look, when you see this guy, he's he he speaks well. He is always up there, even when we have alternate captains, like in the game against the Islanders or any other game you've seen. He's usually up there after penalties, talking to the refs, finding out what's going on. It's like he should have had a letter on his chest at some point this season, but it just didn't happen. Um, but he also he just he embodies everything that we are as Columbus. I mean, he loves the fans, he loves the city, he loves this team. We all love seeing him and Bob you know, at the end of a, a Blue Jackets one with the hug. Um, and he's a hard worker. And I think he's really honestly here 100%. I mean, he committed with a long-term contract. He wants to win. He said in his exiting, you know, speech in Nationwide Arena at the home closer that uh, 
he was going to bring a Stanley Cup to Columbus next year. And I'm, I'm really hoping to see him be the guy that leads them to a uh, Stanley Cup win. Go ahead, D. Hop in there. You there, D? Yeah. Okay. My bad. I was on mute. My bad. Okay. Clearly, TJ, you know hockey. And we got one more congratulations for you. You have a new position with the Hockey Riders. Tell us about that and where we can find your hockey knowledge on the Prince. Well, first off, thanks, guys. I mean, it's a definitely an exciting time for me. I've, I've known a couple of the guys that write for the jackets um, with the hockey writers, and I talked to one of them. You know, he mentioned something to me before about, you know, looking into writing with them. And uh, so, actually, I went yesterday, and I put in my application to write for the jackets, shared with them a little bit of my work, and it uh, didn't take too long. I got a response back and, you know, welcoming, welcoming me aboard and, you know, congratulating me on, on making the writing staff. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting to share my knowledge and my love for the jackets with everybody. Um, I actually already had a couple of ideas. I'm going to be putting a pen to paper here soon. So hopefully you guys will get to see something out by, from me really soon, actually. But um, I, I don't really know exactly when or where, but as soon as I do, trust me, you guys will know because it's going to be my first official piece with Hockey Writer. So, I mean, you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, um, or you can go to thehockeywriters.com. I mean, I'm sure once it goes up, you can see my work as well as any other teams or other Blue Jackets writing. It's all right there. And these guys are great writers. So I, I, can, I can say that I am a little nervous being in the company of such great writers here at the Hockey Writers and everything. But uh, I look forward to bringing something fresh, something new about the Jackets to the readers. And, of course, our fans will be able to find it right here uh, on With an Ohio Bias. Uh, and on the Twitter site, we'll make sure we put a link up to that. And congratulations. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, hopefully they'll enjoy reading it as much as they enjoy listening to your guys' podcast. Absolutely. Well, TJ, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we talk about social media. For the folks that might live under a rock, tell them how to follow you on all the different mediums. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, both under my personal, which is at BTJNOCAR, or under uh, my Blue Jackets account, which is CBJ underscore Nation. Um, you can also find that same CBJ account with the same name on Instagram as well. Um, you'll see me, uh, even during the offseason, I'll probably be uh, blowing people's Twitter feeds up with Blue Jackets talk, so be on the lookout for that all the time. All right, well, we thank you for joining us here. One last uh, our CBJ wrap-up show. Um, like you said, it's a little disappointing, but definitely, definitely very excited about the potential that the Columbus Blue Jackets have for next season. And as I said before, is it October yet? Oh, always. And that's going to be the question we're going to be asking ourselves every day for the next couple of months. Great stuff. Thanks, TJ. Yep, thank you, guys. You got any shout-outs you want to give? My bad. That's what I thought about. Uh, to, well, to the Jackets fans, for one, for hanging in there. I know it's been difficult, but We'll be out there and back in the playoffs next year. And I guess I can also give a shout-out to the two other knuckleheads I work with, Matt and Jordan, because uh, without their help, too, the fifth line, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do what we did today without the three of us. So, of course, to those guys as well. Okay, awesome, man, awesome. Yeah, we kind of said some of the things that you said <laughs> as you were talking because we get a little intro part uh, before you jumped on with us. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we all felt the same way, man. It was the way the Blue Jackets season ended. I mean, it was just like I missed a couple games. Like I just would check the scores. I'm like, damn, they won in the shootout again. Or like you, 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 you see the score, you're like, oh man, they they just gave up two goals. There's no way they're gonna finish this one. Then I'm like, oh shit, this thing's going to a shootout. I'm like, good lord. Like so, yeah, it just it, that momentum was building again, and it just sucked because they got the they could even got a wild card spider, like you said, a play. And I like that line a play-in game. I mean, no, people would have been shaking it. I literally said that line. I was like, people, nobody wants to play the Blue Jackets coming into this playoffs right now. Oh, absolutely not. And so, I mean, that's why I'm just looking forward to next season. I love, I love playoff hockey, but I'm ready for this to just hurry up and go so that way, you know, camps and preseason and the next season can finally get here and start seeing the Blue Jackets packed on the ice again. Yeah, man, we'll we'll be putting it up and, uh, you know, tagging you and stuff like that, man. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, TJ. <laughs> do you want to do a full – yeah, I'm still here. Do you want to do a no, full – Is he gone? He was oh, great. No, nah, real good. <laughs> he was really good. I was clicking on three different things. Sorry. No, no, I'm talking about my computer. Oh. Oh, this Ottawa-Montreal game is insane. It's 3-3 now. Ottawa scored. <laughs> uh, they scored like four goals in a matter of Six minutes. Yeah, see, I've seen. I just seen it come across 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 the call. It's high now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was trying to get the other guy who too, but I knew he would be watching the game. So I mean, pretty much it was a tough thing. Um, nah, I he was perfect. The Browns, I got confused with the Browns uniform thing. You know, um, I thought it was I thought it was the 15th, not the 14th, but I knew I didn't want my initial reaction because I just would have been screaming. Yeah, that's all right. It's all good. Um, no, that's what I was trying to ask you. Do you want to do a full uh, playoff preview, or you just want to go with the games and the series right now? Just do a little, like touch it a little bit, and we can just, you know, like we did last year when we started out, talk to the NHL yeah. last week by week. I think the the latter. I think uh, just pick our winners of the series, and you know, if you kind of go through real quick, uh-huh. I don't think we need to go like in depth. I'm not prepared to go in depth. James Wisniewski got traded to the Ducks, though, right? Who did? James Wisniewski. Yes. Okay, that I was going to say that line, but because I was going to, I was going to call him out. I was like, man, I can't believe you're not rooting for the Ducks and James Wisniewski, but I, I couldn't. Like, wasn't it the Ducks? I thought so. Yeah, it was. I couldn't remember because I got confused. Le- uh, Leopold got traded to Minnesota. Yeah, he's from Minnesota. I just kept thinking about that as we was talking. It's not a big deal. Um, All right, we're back from the break, and as always, how's it going? We are the fifth line, as always. Go CBJ. So happy to have CJ Nocard join us. Uh, great stuff from him, Jake. Great stuff. Yeah, great that he's going to be writing for the, the CBJ. We're going to get lots of uh, good information from him, as we heard in the interview. Uh, the man knows his stuff, so uh, a great resource for us. 
Yeah, we're we're talking NHL playoffs. We're gonna, you know, go through some of these series, say what we like and we don't like. You know, you caught a little preview of uh what was going on with live action in that wild card game between the Ottawa Senators and and uh oh. Ottawa Senators and the Canadians. Yeah, the Montreal yeah, the Canadians. Between the, I was about to say, hey, looking at this. What was going on in that first round game has already started the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators stuff. So, uh, but Jake, uh, he, there's no way that the Ottawa Senators upset the Canadians, the number one seed, right? Uh, not so fast, my friend. This uh, Senators team is a little upstart. If they can get the goaltending, they can definitely hang with uh, with Montreal. Uh, you know, this is going to be a goaltending series, despite the fact that it's 3-3 in game one in the second period. Uh, I think the team that gets to their goaltending here is going to win this game. I think uh, as far as the matchups, they match up pretty evenly. Um, so, I mean, obviously the advantage right now is to carry Price, uh, being an all-world goaltender. Uh, but we'll see what happens here. Right now, yeah, I'm going to pick the Canadians to go to go through, but uh, the Sens could be sneaky. They're, uh, they haven't been in the playoffs in a long time, and they're going to have a lot of energy. I'm going with Canadians. I've loved them since the little kid with the fire and ice, uh, but the Habs, we've seen them firsthand, uh, the, the matches that they've had, with the, the games that they've had with the Blue Jackets. Uh, I think they get past the Senators. We go to that next uh, playoff matchup in the East. Uh, we got the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Think you're like me. I hate Detroit. I'm going Lightning. I don't care if they got a chance or not, even though they are the two seed. I like the Lightning over the Red Wings. That's plenty good enough reason for me. Uh, and even so, the Red Wings aren't what they used to be. Uh, Jimmy Howard's been banged up all year, and uh, the Lightning are a juggernaut. So, uh, yeah, definitely Tampa Bay. Now, the next one is an intriguing matchup. we got the New York Rangers versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, our old friend Rick Nash and King Hendrick up there with the Rangers. Uh, any chance the Penguins knock them off? Yeah, speaking of teams that are a shell of what they were, uh, that's the Penguins. They've been uh, just – they've been staked by injuries, too. Uh, they got a little bit more scoring talent than the – uh, than the Jackets had, so they were able to to maintain and sneak in the back door of the playoffs. Uh, but uh, you know, you never know when you got probably the world's best player and uh, definitely the world's top five player to go with them in Malkin and Crosby. Uh, anything's possible. But uh, Mark Andre Fleury's just so fragile. Uh, if if he's not strong early, then uh, you could forget about it. And the Rangers have made a lot of moves. Uh, their defense is loaded. They're going to be able to score goals. And uh, they've been there before. And uh, Hendrick Lundqvist is uh, an all-world goalie. And Matt, and Talbot's been a very, very good backup. And we talked about it with Jackets. Uh, we didn't look no further than two playoff teams in Vancouver with Eddie Lack and the Rangers with Talbot, who uh, kept their teams at the top of the NHL uh, playoff, playoff stats while their number one goalie is Ryan Howard – or, um, I'm sorry, Ryan – uh, Ryan Miller and Henrik Lundqvist were injured. Did I give you a pick? I'm taking the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, there's no question. I think the Penguins are holding that, that spot that the Blue Jackets would have had if they would have been healthy uh, here. Just They could have got healthy and 
the late February, early March area and get that streak going just a little bit earlier. But, you know, it is what it is. But I think the Rangers get past them. Uh, we go with Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals versus the New York Islanders. Yeah, I think the Islanders are a year away. They're real young and they're real talented. Um, but I just love Boost Boudreaux's uh, system, especially come playoff time. Uh, the Capitals never had problems scoring goals. It was uh, defense and and uh, stopping the puck from going in the net that uh, was their big bugaboo. Uh, so I, I think this is a big upgrade for the playoffs, and I think the Capitals get by the Islanders this year. Well, if I was going to pick an upset, I'd pick one here because the Capitals find a way to choke like dogs at some point in an NHL playoffs every year. So uh, if it's not this round, it'd definitely be the next. Um, so yeah, I never put there, my money in the that. <laughs> There is that. But that, that's why I'm counting on Boost Boudreaux to change all that, the former Predators coach. We know what kind of defensive system he brings uh, as having to face him uh, multiple, multiple times a year for so long as Jackets fan. All right, we go over to the West, and we've got the Anaheim Ducks versus the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know I'm rooting for the Ducks with James Wisniewski, the former Blue Jacket. Uh, and the Ducks, are I mean, they've been amazing all year, almost wire to wire. Uh, Definitely would like to see the Ducks, which they still have the old Disney logo, but definitely would like to see the Ducks keep moving forward. Yeah, you know, Winnipeg is a lot like the Senators. They're they're pretty gritty, and, you know, if they can get some timely goaltending, and, uh, or I mean some goaltending and some timely goals, uh, they could maybe steal a couple games from the Ducks. But the Ducks just have way too much, especially offensively. Uh, Getzlaff is unbelievable. Uh, and they're they're on their way. They're a reason they're going to win seat in the West. And the best thing about the Ducks, they don't got to play the Kings, so hopefully they don't collapse. Uh, you know, you know, in, in this year's playoffs. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big choke job by the defending champs. Uh, first time in a long time that the defending Stanley Cup champs won't be in the tournament to defend the cup. All right, you talked about them before the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Calgary Flames. Yeah, we uh, just had TJ on, and he, he's big into the Flames. You know, I, I'm into the Wild for very similar reasons. I, I think this is a year for them to take another step forward. Uh, it's going to come down to Parisi and whether he can uh, take that next step to become a superstar. Um, I, I'm, it's a kind of a toss-up series. I, I do like the Flames. I like the direction they're going into. Uh, but I'm going to take the Wilds in this one. I'm going with the Flames again. Uh, I feel bad, even though I love Mall Rats going against the Canucks and the Jets, you know, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, I'm going to roll with TJ's choice as well uh, and go with the Flames there. We got TJ Oshie and the St. Louis Blues versus the Minnesota Wild. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I gave you a breakdown of the Minnesota Wild versus. Uh, the Calgary Flames. Who's Calgary playing? The Canucks. Vancouver. The Canucks. Oh, okay, okay. You want to? Okay, I had it in a different order. That's we got. I, we got that. No, that's to, fine. I think you introduced it as Calgary versus the Wild, which threw me off. Ah, oh, my bad. We got the Vancouver Canucks versus the Calgary Flames. Yeah, we know TJ, like a big fan of the Flames, uh, but I, I, I like the Canucks. I like what they've done. Uh, we I talked about uh, Eddie Lack and Ryan Miller. You got two really good goaltenders. Uh, the Sedins have been there and done that, and they know how to win. And uh, you know you got 
Tortorelli up there in Vancouver, who, you know, took the, the Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals. He works in on you quick, but he knows how to win, and uh, I like Vancouver in this series. All right, and then now we got the St. Louis Blues led by T.J. Oshie versus the Minnesota Wild. And again, I'm going against T.J. He actually picked the St. Louis Blues to uh, to go to the Stanley Cup Finals out of the West. Uh, I think this is my upset here. I really like the direction the Minnesota Wilds going in, and St. Louis struggles to score a little bit, and their goaltending's been shaky down the stretch a little bit. So uh, I, I think there's an opportunity here for the Wild to to win the series. I'm taking Minnesota. I think St. Louis edges out this one, uh, but the, you know you don't want to get into a deep series with the Minnesota Wild here. So hopefully uh, St. Louis protects their home ice. Um, but then I think they have trouble when they get to the next level. Of course, we'll be talking about that on a future podcast. But, uh, yeah, I like St. Louis getting past this matchup. And then we got the Nashville Predators versus the Chicago Blackhawks with Kane is able and back on the ice. Yeah, and, and the Blackhawks, I think, are primed for a real deep run here. Uh, they they get Kane back, and you know playing without Kane has really helped them uh, refocus on defense. Uh, it, it, Crawford obviously has won Stanley Cup, so he, the goaltending isn't an issue for me. Uh, so I, I really think that the the Blackhawks here are, are the team, and uh, Nashville's just they've changed system so much from defense to offense, and it's the first time they've been in the playoffs in a couple of years. I just think that uh, the veteran Hawks are the are the team here. I, I agree. Um, I think it's one of these stories that we've seen in Columbus ourselves firsthand, or one of these movies that we've seen already. Uh, Nashville young team, but uh, they'll get their playoff experience here and be the better for it. But they're going up against a team that's just getting healthy at the right time. And like you said, learn how to play without one of their huge stars. So they would just be that much stronger for his return, like the Blackhawks. And we'll be bringing more of the Stanley Cup playoffs, all the NHL action on each and every with an Ohio Bias podcast. You know we love hockey, but we had to give you one last hug here at with an Ohio Bias Um so excited for the potential of what comes with the Blue Jackets. We can root on Team USA with Todd Richards. And, of course, we'll be Stanley Cup playoffs uh, here at with an Ohio Bias. Let's wrap it up. You can sign up. Yeah, uh, why don't we just give our, our prediction for the Stanley Cup finals before the playoffs start, and then we can break it down as the rounds go on. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, all right, Dee, so we got uh, our first round picks here uh, locked in, but uh, you know, we got to get get a prediction for the finals before the season or before the second season here starts. Who do you like uh, in the finals and who do you got hoisting the cup? I like the Blackhawks coming out of the West. I think they've just been there and done that. And uh, like we spoke, they, they're getting healthy at the right time, and their team has, you know, become a full team now. They're just not, you know, riding the coattails of Kane. Um, coming out of the East, I'm going to roll with the Tampa Bay Lightning just because I've loved them since they've been an expansion team. I love the logo, um, and I'm rooting for that young franchise to take that next step and gain its respect. And I'm going to go for the Chicago Blackhawks to hoist another Stanley Cup. 
Well, no bet, no bet between us this year. Uh, I do also. I like uh, the Blackhawks to come out of the West. Uh, out of the East, uh, I'm, I'm going to back uh, my man Boudreaux and take the Caps. Uh, I think the toughness he brings in. Uh, I, I know they're the choking dog Caps, but uh, I think this is the year that it might change. And Ovechkin becomes that uh, takes that step to being overtaking Crosby as the best player in the league. And uh, I'm going to take the Blackhawks to raise the cup. Uh, I just think the Western Conference is such a test throughout the season that uh, whoever comes out of the West uh, eventually is going to end up hoisting the cup. But I'm going to take the Blackhawks. And let me say this: I don't, I don't, I, I like the Capitals. I love Ovechkin, just his personality, everything about him, uh, the way he plays. But it's never really been his fault when they lose. He's had a couple when he was younger, a couple games where he didn't score in the playoffs. But ever since then, the guys come on like gangbusters. It's, it's really never his fault. They always find a way to give up goals and stuff like that, like you said, with the defense and the goaltending. Um, but yeah, I hope to see that. I, I mean, that Caps Lightning, you know, I would love to see that, you know, uh, matchup and then see that team go on and play for the Cup. I mean, that would be awesome. But I just don't, I mean, I, I mean, hey, man, Here, go, go Caps go. How about that? So we're definitely excited about the NHL playoffs. Uh, and definitely one last hug. We wanted to wrap it up. The CBJ season, put a little bow on it. Um, so excited, though. And once again, is it October yet? You want to sign off for that? Now you can just do a wrap on these, on these shows. Right. I'll sign off on just the regular shows. One more last, one last hug. As always, go CBJ. We are the Fifth Line Union Army Stanzas one. Thanks for listening again. I want to give a quick Twitter love for our one last hug show. At the CBJ Adventures, at Beth Jane, at J Buckeye seventy four, at DS Buckeyes, Darcy Spangler, at JP's. 45 at the end of MW514. I hope they continue their off-season adventures as they wait for the CBJ to get back into next season. At Joey's underscore jackets, at William SB, at underscore Mary J underscore 221, at Stephen Waney, um, at Allison L, of course, to the Union Blue Soldiers, Kevin J. Valentine, thanks for the buddy, sir. Uh, You know the Union Army stands as one. Can't wait for next year's kickoff and the march. Next year's March of the Union Army to kick off the Blue Jackets NHL season. Uh, and shout-out to, uh, of course, uh, TJ Nokar of the CBJ Artillery, uh, Matt Pfeffer, Jordan D. Mills, um, and the Union Blue Soldiers. Oh, and of the Union Blue Soldiers and of the hockey group on uh, Facebook, William McNally and Mark Rucker. All right. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show thirty-eight. It just got real. I am D. Cleveland, born and raised, Buckeye, born and bred. And I'm Jake from the Yoda, Columbus. We're talking the sports you care about. Go ahead and give us the rundown, Jake.
Well, in this show, the Browns have new uniforms and a newly sober quarterback. We also start our discussion on the Browns draft. Uh, the tribe's underway, and we go inside the wigwam to check out the walking wounded and our thoughts on the beginning of the campaign. In our second segment, we talk the Ohio State University spring game, uh, a big new contract for Urban, and a little hoops. Then, as always, we go in-depth to update you on the world of MMA and recap the Masters. And then in our final segment, we save the best for last as the Cavs are primed to bring home our first NBA title in team history. Busy show. Let's get right to it. Show 38, It Gets Real. I just did the whole thing on mute. Show 38, It Gets Real. Of course, it gets real for the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Indians. We're coming back talking new uniforms and, of course, the SI curse. The SI curse. We will see you on the other side. We are back. The Cleveland Browns had a fashion show, a statement that I thought I would never say. Um, and not for charity. This was to showcase their new uniforms. Take your thoughts. <laughs> it, it, it did come off a little ridiculous, you know. I, I can only, <laughs> I can only think about what other people around the league were, were thinking when that was going on. If they happened to catch it, but. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it excited. It's not. It's not for us. You know, it, it's it's for the eighteen to twenty five year olds. It, it's it's a new generation. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hammer time, <laughs> whatever. But it, it it is what it is. Uh, the the only thing for me that a little bit bums me out is every little step like this and the losing and you know. And let me say this first and foremost, and this is the obvious statement, just win, and I don't care what you wear. But if we're going to separate the two in in a, a side business of the sports world, which is, you know, selling apparel and attracting people uh, and keeping interest for a crappy football team, uh, you know, they're, I guess they're doing their job. Uh, the, the response has been good on Twitter. Uh, and, and fan reaction that I've heard and listened to and seen. Um, but and like I said, the ultimate goal is the product on the field, and, and that's your best marketing tool, uh, winning football games. Well, if it's not for us, then I don't know what I'm going to wear because the things actually look like they look like the old FUBU for us, by us jerseys. Um, they look like Oklahoma State, Bowling Green, any high school jersey you've seen. Um, you know, beyond critiquing every angle of the jersey, I don't like the numbers. Um, I think the Cleveland's too small on the front. Uh, the color combinations are what they are. Let, let me just say it this way. Um, the jerseys matter to me because I like wearing jerseys. I like wearing stuff that represents the team of the city where I'm from, uh, the teams that I root for. I like wearing the gear. So the fact that I can't wear it really pisses me off because I think it sucks, and I'm not going to wear something ugly um, just because it says Cleveland Browns on it. 
Now, you know, um, when you talk about the kids and whatnot, if they can't respect the team and root for a team from the city where they're from, no matter what happens, like I've had to do for all my life, then they don't deserve to root for that team as far as I'm concerned. So I don't care what they like. Um, I'll say that. I really don't understand. Uh, uh, I hear you. I hear you. I, you know, I, my biggest critique of it is these orange numbers on TV and letters are going to be awfully hard to read, I think. Uh, that that's the one thing I want to see is what these things look like on the field because it's going to look a lot different than uh, being on a stage. Uh, the, the guys in the uniforms just looked uh, – Joe Thomas looked so uncomfortable up there <laughs> in, his, in his uniform. But, uh, you know, it is what it is for me. I, I, I'm kind of uh, just I, – I don't really have a strong feeling Either way, I just want to win so desperately. It's just another chink in the armor and another way to, that it has distanced me from from the real Browns that I grew up with. You know, I remember winning. You know, I, I remember when we moved, fighting for the colors and, and that sort of stuff. So I'm definitely with you. I, I don't. I wouldn't ever expect the Green Bay Packers or the Steelers or the Cowboys to to have these drastic uniform changes, but then again, who knows, 10 to 5 years down the road, maybe we're cutting edge in the trend in this too. Maybe I'm getting old. I am getting old. Well, let me say this. One, I'm not going to let this guy come in here and sell this snake oil and buy this team and change everything that I love about my football team. Now, you know, I don't care what they wear, like you said, as long as they win. But you know what? They're not going to dismiss me because I think that's what they're trying to do because it's easier, and this is the worst-case scenario that just popped into my head as I was thinking about the show and, you know, talking about these uniforms. You know, every little step that they've taken, you know, they, they keep saying the dog pound, this and that, like we don't know what the dog pound really was. You know, the dog pound is not the 12th man. It's not a fan group. You know, that's not what the dog pound is, okay? That's, that's, so you see us make that reference. We know what the real dog pound was. It was bleacher seats, chain link fence, on a hill. People rooting on the team. And the players literally feeling that energy out there on the field and it helping lift them to victories. That's not what happens at that stadium. I, and the thing is, I sent my one friend this. You know, I was at that last game against Cincinnati where the Browns laid a zero. So it didn't matter what jersey they had on that day. They played like dog shit. You know, like, and so this whole thing with these uniforms and what they're trying to do, I really think, and I mean, once again, I'm going to say this is a worst-case scenario, but in my mind it just jumped in there for a second, that they're literally trying to break every connection that we have to this football team so at some point Jimmy Haslam can sell this team and move it out of Cleveland. If that happens, which I do not want, and I do not speak it into the ether to make it something that happens, I'm just saying if it happens, I, I fear for Jimmy Haslam's safety. I fear for all those people that work in the front office that have been making these decisions for new uniforms and things like that. When you talk about the numbers, they say Nike during this two-year process checked all those things out on TV so we wouldn't have the mistakes of the past that happened when they had, uh, did jerseys one year and they couldn't see, it, see them on TV and they had to uh, go back and get all new jerseys in the middle of the season. No, I mean, that's a great point. And when I say that, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, a certain amount of apathy that occurs over time that, you know, is it my fault? You know, it's, it's a result and a uh, product of the losing, the the losing of the team, uh, the the just bad football, the heartbreaking losses, 
you know, in in a in a, a time and only one time in my life where I have a good memory of winning, and it was as a kid. And so, the further I get away from that, you know, the the more I, I it becomes sentimental, and it, it the the actual product of today becomes less less painful uh, with the wins and losses. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, I, it, it is what it is. I, I, I have no more to say on this subject, honestly. You know, so I think the uniform sucks. I know that's an easy take, but that's the way I feel. So, and we can move on and actually talk. Well, we got to talk about another off-the-field issue, but something positive. Um, happy to see Johnny Manziel uh, out of rehab. He's uh, out you know, at baseball games again, but, you know, we're not seeing the level of social activity so far um, the way it was before. So we're hoping he's healthy and he can get back to work uh, uh, on the field uh, with doing the business for the Cleveland Browns uh, if he's stable and ready to go. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's a process. We Our expectations uh, lowered completely from Johnny from a year ago. Uh, last year we were uh, talking about him being the the next coming and our franchise quarterback, and we've come to the point now where uh, our alcoholic quarterback um, needs a lot of time. So uh, if he's ever going to succeed with the Cleveland Browns. So um, anything is going to be a positive, any signs of progress in the preseason and in camp and uh, hopefully from interviews with his teammates that uh, he's coming along and uh, I think uh, they did get a, a good guy in there in Kay McNown to, uh, to to bring him along and, and Josh I guess, show him the ropes. Or, I'm sorry, Josh McCown, uh, too many McCowns. Uh, and, but, uh, that, you know, that's pretty much my take on it. Now let's talk a little football. And the one story that's been out there, and uh, pretty much we just posed a question and we'll discuss it here briefly. The Browns flirting, negotiating, whatever term you want to use, possibly moving up to take Marcus Mariota. Um, we know it would take the 12 or 19 pick to possibly do it. Um, you know, uh, besides some crazy scenario where they could trade Johnny or something like that, I don't know anybody would want him as a commodity right now, not knowing what he's capable of. But should the Browns move up for Marcus Mariota, in your opinion? Absolutely not. I don't know why we would want to move up for the second-best quarterback in the draft because we've seen how that worked out, and we know what the price tag is to do it because uh, Dan Snyder did it, and it hasn't worked out so well. Uh, and it's going to take more than 12 and 19. It's going to take a one next year uh, and maybe a couple second-rounders. And for a guy that uh, pretty much across the board outside of Ron Jaworski uh, nobody is saying that this guy is a can't-miss Andrew Luck-type quarterback, and that's the only type of quarterback that you mortgage the future for. Well, I'm going back with this old adage, and it was something that we used to follow uh, before the last four or five years. I don't want any more Heisman winning trophy quarterbacks. Um, not considering the one we have on the roster right now, but from now on to this point into the future, I don't want any more Heisman trophy winning quarterbacks. So I agree with you. I don't think it's worth trading up. Um, I was thinking about the situations where you see teams with prolific offenses but don't have uh, – or they're not winning in the NFL. You know, what comes to mind, a Detroit or Atlanta, guys that went and got a good quarterback and still can't win. I mean, Detroit has, you know, probably the best uh, quarterback 
receiver tandem um, or just talent-wise with Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson, and they can't find them way, their way to the playoffs. So, you know, you need some other things around the board. I think we use that 12 and 19 pick and, you know, uh, hopefully get real talent that will sustain us here uh, over the next couple of years, and that will then build a foundation that then we can plug a quarterback into as we find one that fits. It'll almost be like a Cinderella situation where uh, it will be a fairy tale when it comes to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to win in the NFL, you got to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. you got to be able to protect your quarterback. you got to be able to cover guys downfield. Uh, and and that's and that's that. If you don't have a lot of guys that can do that, you're not going to win even with a franchise quarterback. Uh, and the Browns definitely need a lot of those things. So uh, to to mortgage uh, five potential starters for one player that you're not sure about, uh, it would be absolutely insane in my opinion. Yeah, and then uh, also too now, there's been the Browns are possibly flirtating with uh, or like possibly looking at Todd Gurley. And drafting him, and then uh, who else in the first round? We know that the Browns are looking at the nose tackle from uh, Washington, Danny Shelton. Any thoughts on those two guys? Well, yeah, Danny Shelton would uh, fill a need, the defensive tackle. Um, he would definitely help stop the run, which is another thing that you need to be able to do. Um, it's questionable whether he could play on three downs and on rushing downs. Um but, you know, those are the type of players you, you need. You need starters that are going to be able to do, uh, do a job. And, you know, one guy that, you know, I would consider trading up for, and you wouldn't have to mortgage the future. Uh, I just love Kevin White, his athletic ability. Uh, just there's so much upside with him. Uh, he and for a team that needs a downfield threat and a wide receiver in the worst way. I think he'd be a guy, if he had to move up a few picks to get, uh, that would be worth doing it for. Yeah, I think this I think this uh, draft is deep with receivers. Uh, you know, I would love Perriman at 19 or something like that. I can't see you going up uh, for uh, Kevin White. Um, and, I, you know, this is one of the things. This is the season. This is the offseason where if the Browns stay pat and just play the, their hand, uh, hopefully we don't get Trader Ray. Uh, going nuts here, you know, just draft good people, solid people, solid players, uh, and fill out this roster that desperately needs to uh, plug some much-needed holes. Yeah, absolutely. We half-kingly said when they suspended him, can the suspension start before the draft? But, um, you know, we we, we just need... has them in there going, going rush out <laughs> over whoever's... Well, I think you just said the key. I think the key is to keep him the hell away from everything. Uh, he's becoming way, way more like Daniel Snyder than I care for. And, uh, you know, let the football people do their job. And for the love of God, Ray, don't think you're the smartest guy in the room. Put your ego aside and listen and, and let the other people who've done the deep, deep homework on these guys give you the information and, and avoid sexy if, if at all possible. Uh, one last thing I'll bring up just because it's out there. I don't think it's even a possibility it happened, but stranger things have happened. Uh, any, do you think Phillip Rivers would come to Cleveland to play? It'll be, what would you trade to get him? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he has no interest. He doesn't want to move to Los Angeles. 
he has no interest in coming to Cleveland and playing in the cold. I, I could never see that. Sam Bradford doesn't want to be here, so I, I don't see Philip Rivers, and I don't see Philip Rivers as a long-time solution. You know, I mean, you'd be looking at a year, two years, and he's already breaking down with back injuries. And, uh, he'd be learning a whole new system and coming into a whole new situation. Absolutely don't see it. Yeah, well, I don't think Sam Bradford wanted to come here because last time he was in Cleveland, he got hurt and he missed last season. So, you know, uh, he probably true. remembers walking out of here on crutches. <laughs> and then Bernie got well, fired. We, 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 <laughs> then Bernie got fired in that same game, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah, so we don't need that guy with his bad, his bad mojo. He's got a bad karma, here. right? Yeah. Uh, let me mention you know, we're that looking, real quick. Let me mention that real quick. Uh, you know, one guy was noticeably missing from the uniform presentation. That's Bernie. And it, it's getting old between Bernie snapping off the Browns and Haslam just blackballing him. These two guys got to get over it and come to grips. And uh, Bernie not being associated with the Browns is bad for everybody. Uh, so here's my public plea for these two guys to get into a room and just work it out. Couldn't agree more. As always, go Browns. Uh, we talk about another bad situation. The SI curse to Cleveland Indians. It's a season of nightmares right now when we talk about the injuries to the Cleveland Indians. We know Dr. Smooth, Michael Brentley has the back injury. Jan Gomes inadvertently, inadvertently hit into his knee on a slide, which we're not supposed to have contact at the plate anymore, out with an MCL sprain. Uh, by the grace of God, one tough cookie, Carlos Carrasco, only has a bruise draw after taking a deflected ball off the wrist into the face uh, on a hot shot. Um, well, that's why curse is real, Jake. That's all I can say. Well, yeah, it's not a good start, that's for sure. Um, you know, I hope we're not getting into a, a, a Columbus Blue Jacket injury situation to start the year because obviously we're not very deep ball club. You know, our bench players are our bench players for a reason. And uh, it, 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 we're very thin right now offensively, and we're thin after our top three starters. So, uh, and, and the bullpen has, has struggled initially. So, yeah, the, there's some concern, but, you know, it's 162 games for a reason. Uh, we went through some of this with the Cavs. Uh, they'll get healthy. They'll have plenty of opportunities. They're not going to face Miguel Cabrera every game. Thank God, because the guy would hit 850 against us if he played 162 games against the Indians uh, with 75 home runs. And in the reason, and that's the other thing that bothered me the most through this week, it's how we continue to let this guy beat us. You need to walk this guy unless it's a tie game or a one-run game with the bases loaded. I don't care if you're scoring a run or not. This guy it just murders us. I'd rather let Victor with his aching back at least take a shot at us. I know he killed us too, but he's a year older and he's not exactly the same hitter he has been yet so far. So, uh, or JD Martinez, just please stop pigeon that smug asshole. Yeah, unless bums like Davis, you know, get hits because we got you know so much going on in that rotation, and those guys are coming up around two times and one, uh, you know, at bat, um, two times in one inning. You know, I, I don't, you know, what I don't understand is. I can't remember the last time the tribe, I mean, this is, you know, being a little facetious, but the last time they won a season opener, you know, a home opener. I mean, my goodness. Second of all, we got to stop losing to the Tigers at home. You know, getting swept. 
I don't care what it takes. You got to get at least one win. These are our divisional rivals, and especially to start off a season like this, it just um, it, it just kill it kills the momentum and it kills the energy to start the season. Uh, also, too, you, you, this is one of your lines. The MLB does us no favor with that being our first home stand and for our opening, you know, day, you know, so our opening day game. Um, the best thing to come out of this, though, was the emergence of now fan favorite Jerry, 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 one Jerry Sands. Yeah, and, and you know, early on, you're, you were grasping here for stories of some positive stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if one game Jerry Sands would uh, would be the story he was if we uh, hadn't lost two of our first uh, seven or eight games or whatever it is now. Um, but, you know, the, you, you mentioned also that the doing no favors. Uh, and, and now we got to go nine games on the road against the division in Chicago, Detroit, and Minnesota. Uh, at least they threw Minnesota in there, not Kansas City, but – uh, it's it's not going to be an easy road because we've seen the start that Kansas City has gotten off to undefeated so far, and uh, the Tigers uh, with one loss. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a long season, but we got to get going. Yeah, well, the Bats woke up against uh, the Chicago White Sox. Uh, it's great to know that Cookie Carrasco will be back. He's going to pitch next Monday when they're in Chicago on that road trip. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I question now, without Jan Gomes back there, uh, I know Carlos Santana said he's more than willing to catch some games. Um, you know, who's going to help make those calls with these pitchers and have that, you know, we don't have that report now. Um, clearly, you know, we're pitching to Miguel Cabrera, so it's not coming out. And this is not a shot at Callaway and Francona, but my guy, we're not pitching around the guy, so I don't understand that. So now, you know, the defensive problems are still there, whether it's Chisenhall, Kipnis, Ramirez even sometimes, you know, uh, can we find George Quiteris? I mean, yeah, like we need we need something. Or I mean, God forbid, throw somebody throw some ice on Sandy's knees and let's reactivate him and get him behind the plate. Let me uh, be clear here. Now, this is officially a shot at Francona and Callaway um, for the first time. I, I don't like how they've managed to start this season. Uh, they, they've continually gone to, to Brian Shaw, who's obviously not at it. Uh, they, they've not stayed with guys long enough. Uh, I question them pitching to Miguel Cabrera. Uh, I can question the lineup uh, to an extent. Um, you know, I, I question the defense and the preparedness of this team. You know, every, everybody takes it real easy on Tito, and he's a good guy and a hell of a manager. But right now I, I'm seeing some things I don't like, and, you know, the, the shit needs to be tightened up a little bit. Tito's been very well known for being a player's manager and letting them do their thing. But at some point, letting them do their thing and, and getting work done and being uh, a tightly oiled machine or uh, a tightly oiled machine, yeah, a, a well-oiled machine, would uh, it, it's something that we got to start thinking about here. Brian Shaw hasn't had it until they got lit up by the Angels when they literally had a go-ahead run in that late-inning marathon game last season, in the middle of the season. Um, I'm going to tell you this right now. Another thing with, with this whole thing is, you know, we got the, the albatross of Nick Swisher, whether or not he's going to play or not. But you want to question Francona on something. Here's one more question. Why Michael Brantley starting the season with that back injury on the first night, the first game of the season, um, and then re-aggravates it and now he's out? That, that also does something to the lineup. 
Also, too, we got to do something about this Michael Bourne situation uh, leading off, uh, being our lead off hitter. So, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers right now with the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Quick, switch, quick uh, Nick Swisher update. He's been playing games in extended spring training, and uh, next week he's expected to go on a rehab assignment somewhere in one of the Ohio minor league teams and uh, probably, you know, two or three weeks away from seeing him called up on the big team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. You mentioned Michael Bourne. You know, these two guys are taking up an extremely large chunk of our payroll. Uh, so it would be nice to get some production. We did get uh, a clutch double out of Bourne today, but uh, – uh, he definitely, we definitely need to get him on base a lot more to start uh, start inning. But was happy to see this tribe win the old businessman special, uh, great day game against the White Sox. The bats woke up, uh, and as always, roll tribe. Looking forward to them doing some other things here. Hopefully this season and Terry Francona, as we say, tightening up that lineup and uh, that defensive posture. Um, one one positive thing, uh, Corey Kluber has been Corey Kluber, so we do have that. Thank God for that. As always, Road Tribe, Indians, Believe Land. Uh, we will be back. Coming at you here after the break. Oh, lost here. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast of real fans with Dean and Jake. We're coming back after the break talking the Ohio State Buckeyes. Football is back. Oh yes, it is spring game time. This we will see you on the other side. You know what you need to do? Uh, find a, a sound drop of Hammy going ball game. You know, and just throw that right at the end, right before you go to the music. Okay. All right, we're back, and we're talking the Ohio State Buckeyes. Best news to come out of Columbus, Urban Meyer, new contract extension to the year 2020. Yeah, great news. It's, you know, huge for recruiting. It's security. It, 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 you know, nobody expects Urban to be here until 2020. But it gives the impression and the security to these players that he's not going anywhere for a while. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's he's getting what he deserves. Uh, I think I, I, I saw that he's he'd be the eighth highest paid head coach in the National Football League. So uh, definitely uh, well-deserved, obviously. And can't wait for this next run to start. Uh, the schedule sets up nice for for a definite uh, shot at the title, another title run. No, no doubt about that, um, and you know that year, 2020, um, we will play Notre Dame. They'll finally stop ducking us. We got them on the schedule, so we could bring the heat to them. Which uh, we saw the comments from Brian Kelly, who thinks his quarterback situation is better than the one at Ohio State. I don't know what he's smoking, but we talk about quarterbacks. We're going to tell you what to look for in the spring game. Uh, we know JT Barrett is back, moving around and practicing with the team, uh, doing some light drills, but he will not be playing in the spring game. You know, they're still bringing him back slowly. Uh, and the same thing for Braxton Miller, but who you will see is Cardell Jones. Uh, and also you will see Stephen Collier, one of the red, the red shirt freshmen. So those will be the two quarterbacks in the spring game. 
Um, one of the things that Urban talked about in some of the pressers leading up to the spring game is that um, the running backs will be uh, featured. So we'll need to see Beyonce Dunn and Curtis Samuel, and he's looking for them to really make a big step here. Um, some of the other guys out here, we'll see a lot on that offensive line, a lot of the young players on both sides. So that'll be exciting to see how they move around and open up some of those holes for those running backs. And then uh, we will see Noah Brown featured at wide receiver on offense. So that should be interesting as well. Um, Tyquan Lewis is out on our defensive line uh, with an injury, but the rest of that defensive line will include Joy Bosa, of course, on one end, and the other end is Tommy Shutt, and then you have Adolphus Washington on the inside. Uh, you know the linebackers, Wayquan, McMillan, all those guys. It will be fun to see these young recruits out there, especially when we get into that second half of the spring game, see the speed and what Urban Meyer and all that recruiting staff has been doing uh, to bring into Ohio State, seeing some of those guys fly around out there. And then some of the guys that you really want to look for in our secondary, uh, some of the younger guys is uh, Eric Smith, Cam Burroughs, and Paris Campbell. So those are the names I think you need to be looking for. And the spring game is just a great time to tailgate. Uh, reminisce, and still celebrate the Undisputed National Championship Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, and I think you said it there. The the one thing I'm looking to see uh, is the speed, the speed and the intensity of the practice and the game. Uh, I want to see guys out there that really want it and are really going after it. Uh, You know, there's always that opportunity to have a little bit of a letdown. And uh, any sign of it uh, is something that we don't want to see, especially when you're, uh, you know, putting the hardware out there for the first time for the fans uh, and uh, the masses are going to be there to fill the stadium and you want to you see the, the competitive spirit. Uh, some of the players I'm looking forward to, I really want to see Michael Thomas and his evolution. Uh, I, I guess it's evolution is my theme for these guys. Uh, Briante Dunn and Dontre Wilson, I want to see how they're going to start using them differently. I think we're going to see a little bit more different scheming uh, with these guys, maybe a little bit more Percy Harvin type stuff, um, especially Dontre. And then Raekwon McMillan, uh, I, I think he's primed to become the leader of this defense uh, with uh, Joey Bosa, uh, especially in the linebacker core, and uh, take that next step and go down as possibly one of the, the great Buckeye linebackers of all time. There's no doubt. You're talking about that evolution. Uh, we know that uh, what's scary out there for uh, all the opponents of the Buckeyes this year that they've been using Jalen Marshall uh, exclusively at wide receivers. So uh, yeah. just so happy, just so happy to have. Uh, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see this Buckeye offense with all the weapons, and then we're gonna see some guys emerge every spring game. If it's all the way back to when Kenny Guyton first stepped on the field in the spring game. Uh, you know, it, we're going to see somebody emerge that we have no idea. Michael Thomas, the one year, was, you know, uh, with 11 catches. I mean, we're going to see somebody emerge that we have no idea about, and it's going to be awesome to see at this Ohio State spring. We are so ridiculously loaded. I'm so pumped up. This is going to be great. So enjoy the spring game. Uh, we talk about more Buckeye news, and this one is a little melancholy, but it's the best thing for him. Uh, D'Angelo Russell will be going to the NBA. Um, and, uh, you know, he joins all the talent out there that we see going to the NBA. Uh, you know, the guys, the national champion, Duke Blue Devils, who we both uh, thought were going to lose to Wisconsin, both uh, Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones have declared for the NBA. And, of course, everybody saw the huge press conference that, 
only as only Kentucky can. Uh, they keep uh, they love doing press conferences. You should see the seven players from their school leave. Um, the one interesting thing note about that uh, those seven players, the Harrison twins, who were projected the year before they returned to Big Blue Nation. They are now projected as second-round picks where they were lottery picks that year before. So uh, it should be interesting to see. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, the best thing going for him, and the reason that I, I say he has to go, you know, I would love to see him come back and play again, win the Scarlet and Gray. He is projected as a top-five pick. So. Yeah, and as much as you'd like to have his talent on the basketball court, you know, there's a perception that goes along with it that's good for the university and recruiting. Uh, to have a guy go in the top five, probably top three, uh, you know, coming out of his freshman year, going in the NBA draft uh, around the country, that uh, doesn't hurt you when you're going out there to recruit. You know, one of the things I just want to mention briefly, uh, we're seeing a drain of talent, you know, out of the Buckeye State when it's coming to basketball. We know D'Angelo Russell wasn't even in Ohio and uh, reigning from the great Muhammad Ali's own hometown, Louisville, Kentucky. And, of course, we were happy to have him, you know, here at Ohio State for the brief time that he was. But we see so many of our high school stars uh, going to other schools other than Ohio State, uh, whether it's uh, Issa Ahmed of Shaker Heights, uh, Carlton Bragg of St. Joe's, I mean, uh, you know, these kids are not choosing to come to Ohio State. And, I mean, once again, not trying to go on a bash that I'm out of bandwagon, but just asking the question, when will we close the borders and keep the best talent? Even if it we're talking, of course, about um, – if we're talking about Tyler Ulis, who was just on the University of Kentucky team, you know, we, we've got to do something. that This has to be addressed at some point with all the talent available in the great state of Ohio. Yeah, and I, we see this in football a lot, too. Uh, you know, I think some of it's a product of just how good Ohio high school athletics are and the coaching is and, and that sort of stuff. But I, I think the bigger thing is you, you want to get your guys. You know, you can't have them all, but you want to make sure you lock up the best ones. You want to make sure that you, you, you don't lose the guys that uh, are the difference makers. So. Um, yeah, you get D'Angelo Russell, you know, and then you ask the question, well, how the hell do you get away from Kentucky and Louisville? So there's a give and take, but uh, definitely you, you want to keep your prime talent in in, in state. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think it also says a lot to do about how good Ohio high school athletics are. Well, we're definitely excited for the Buckeye basketball recruiting trail. And, of course, also – that's football. We got college football back, even if it is for one Saturday in the spring. I'll take it any day to see the scarlet and gray. As always, go Bucks, Buckeye Nation, Buckeyes follow Buckeyes. This is with Ohio Bias Podcast. Oh, we're not taking first there. We move on to the world of MMA, and uh, one of the exciting things that happened was we saw the return of Mirko Krokop, who defeated Gabriel Gonzaga uh, right there in that third round. So happy for Mirko Krokop, one of the legends of MMA. Uh, and we know he was training with Cleveland's own, Northeast Ohio's own, Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic, huge fight coming up against Mark Hunt down in Australia. 
definitely excited for that. Some of the other upcoming fights that were just announced, we got Ohio's own, the immortal Matt Brown, supposed to fight Nate Diaz, who Nate Diaz now does not want to take the fight, but that's Dana White and the Diaz brothers that will go back and forth. Uh, that fight might be coming at us in July. Also in July, UFC 186, we see Cody Garbrandt. He has a fight now with Henry Briones. Uh, Henry Briones uh, was on the Ultimate Fighter, so that's going to be a great showcase, and we get to see Cody get back in the ring. Uh, Lance Palmer has a title defense coming up. Uh, we, of course, have mentioned before Jessica Evil Eye, Cleveland's own, Strong Style Brazos' own. Uh, Jessica Evil Eye will be taking on Misha Tate. Uh, but one of the fights for this weekend that I'm excited for is the strawweight division. The 21-year-old Team Alpha Male First Lady Paige Van Sant will be fighting against Felice Herring. Uh, I think that's one of the watched uh, the UFC fight night. And a lot of great fights on this card uh, from Dalloway all the way through that card is great. Um, but very exciting for MMA stuff. One of the fights that's coming up in Bellator, and I know it's a guy that you like, Jake, Bobby Lashley is back after that one match had to be rescheduled. He will be fighting at Bellator. Have the paper. Uh, yeah. Bellator 138, he'll be fighting James Thompson the second. So very excited to see Bobby Lashley keep making that push to get that title belt in Bellator. Yeah, it'll be good to see Bobby Lashley get back in the octagon. Uh, he's been in the wrestling ring over in TNA, uh, lurking in obscurity on Destination America. They're having all sorts of problems, uh, but uh, with ratings and uh, the TV control and TNA. Kurt Angle's the champ there, but uh, Lashley now uh, heading back to the octagon. And then, obviously, the from what you went down the list there, Again, can't say enough about how the the elite athletes from the state of Ohio, again, in another sport. Uh, so uh, good to see uh, across the board, and especially in uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah, we talk about one other problem. Rampage Jackson will not be making his UFC debut. Uh, we know he left Bellator, and he's got some issues where the court uh, filed an injunction on him being able to uh, sign a contract and fight with an athletic commission. So. Uh, We'll see how that works out, but would like to see Rampage back in the ring. Uh, and uh, one last thing, or we'll see Rampage back in the octagon as well. Um, one last thing, uh, shout out to uh, Gary Big Daddy Goodridge. You heard the interview with Brian Moore here at with an Ohio bias. Uh, great tour through Southeast Ohio. We'll throw up some of the picks. I mean, awesome, awesome stuff. You know, listen to that interview, and you can hear about what they were doing. And shout out to the Hammer, Mark Coleman, getting healthy. Uh, uh, we want to see you back up and around very, very soon. So a lot of great stuff going, and make sure you check out Save the Hammer and also check out the Elite MMA Hall of Fame at lovemma.com. MMA, hell yeah, Team MMA for life. Now, Jake, we've got to go on down to Georgia. Hello, friends. Golf was maybe the most exciting that I've seen it in a long time, and Jordan Spieth went wire to wire. Uh, it was a very, very exciting Masters tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it wasn't the closest Masters tournament uh, ever. It wasn't that classic Sunday uh, swings back and forth. But just how dominant uh, Jordan Spieth was with the story and entertainment enough uh, every time someone got close, whether it was Justin Rose or Phil Mickelson, uh, the guy had ice water in his veins and would pull off great shots. Um, you know, he, he nerves might have gotten to him a little bit there on 17, 
but uh, in the, the putt on 18. But he had left himself plenty of room for error uh, in one of the most uh, dominant Masters performances ever. Uh, first player ever to reach uh, minus 19. Uh, so he had that and uh, was a putt away from closing at minus 19 on 18, a four-footer that he just uh, ran by a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, just can't say enough for the performance that Jordan Spieth put on and at Augusta. Yeah, there's no question. A shout-out to Hideki Matayasha. Uh, had a great finish in the top ten. Um, but one other thing that I think is funny, folks won't be asking now as we go weekend to weekend, where's Tiger? They'll be asking, where's Jordan? And I think that's great for golf. Um, and it's going to be great to see Jordan and Rory grow on the tour and how that plays out. Also, shout-out to Jason Day and, of course, Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler. Uh, we got to get Pete out for a round of golf here very soon, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to to get out and uh, uh, go chase a little white ball with him. But uh, you mentioned Tiger as well, who put up a great showing, uh, played two really nice rounds uh, in between two mediocre rounds. But he seemed to have that confidence and swagger and was making putts, and his short game was there, which was really impressive. He's got to figure out uh, his his control a little bit as far as uh, staying in the fairway, but He's back uh, as far as, as I think being able to compete at the highest level, and it was and good to see Phil also uh, on, on the leaderboard up there. Uh, definitely golf here coming up this year's got a bright, bright, uh, bright uh, viewing uh, future for us. Yeah, I think this Masters tournament kicked off this year, and it was so compelling, even though, you know, it's one thing to say something for a sporting event when somebody has such a lead like Jordan Spieth did, but it still was great to watch, whether it was Friday, Saturday, or, of course, on Sunday. So it's something to be said about that. I think, you know, the PGA can't be happier with the way that played out. I know the ratings were awesome. Uh, and, you know, see, it's the other golfers being showcased. I mean, the guys that we mentioned, all those guys that were kind of moving up the line, jockeying for position there, um, it was just, it was very, very entertaining, and I think that's the best thing we can say for the sport. And definitely people, I know I will be checking in every weekend now uh, more than I probably was a week before the Masters. Yeah, and I got one quick shout-out and one little bit of a knock. One, you know, the, the Masters site and the streaming was excellent. It was one of the best sites ever, and they showed the – the, the different, uh, you can look at two featured groups. You could look at the 16th hole, amen corner, on the range, and uh, it was really well done. The complaint I have is put more on TV. You know, two hours or three hours at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody wants to see the tournament. Just put it on TV and let us watch it. Uh, you know, don't make us wait all day and have to follow it online. Uh, yeah, what is that? Yeah, what, guy, why is that? I literally turned in yeah. 2 o'clock. It was a preview. Of a story, you know, like human interest stories, which no disrespect to anybody's family or anything like that. But I wanted to see live golf. I mean, what, you, know, you know, like what? It's the only tournament that does it, and it, you know, just they're snobs. Is what it comes down to. They they want to have the control, and that's what they do. And they give you I a little one, extra. I got one other. I got one other small piece. There was a. It was Jordan and uh, Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson were on the putting green practicing before they were going to tee off. Literally, they switched over when Jordan was taking a practice putt to go watch Dustin. Uh, literally, the camera zoomed in on Dustin Johnson uh, 
picking up a ball out of the out of the you know saying the hole. Like, what are you doing? Let's let us see Jordan putt. Like, why are you zooming in on Dustin just walking over picking up a ball? Like, it's just like even the production to that down to that small frame. I was like going to a commercial. I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, like, but yeah, I I, I digress. Yeah, but so yeah, so anyways, yeah, they, it, it's it's something that needs to happen. They, you know, the demands out there. Just give in and let us watch our masters, please. Yeah, no. Well, the the great thing is I'm getting this fired up about golf, so you know it's going to be an exciting year in the on the tour. So, uh, and we will and, be covering. The... Oh, God, you were about to say what I was going to say. No, go ahead, say it. No, and we'll be covering uh, the golf term, big golf tournaments all year. And, uh, of course, as always, we'll have uh, coverage out here live from Dublin for the Memorial Tournament. Uh, that's Jack's tournament uh, down here in uh, the suburb of Columbus. So I'll uh, be looking forward to that. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with Dean Jake. We saved the best for last. We're talking Cleveland Cats. All right, we're back. Cleveland Cavaliers, number two seed in the NBA. It doesn't matter whose locker room's got it up, Chicago Bulls. It's a fact. You can't deny it. LeBron, the people's MVP, number one in jersey sales. Everything's right in the world. The Cavs draw the Boston Celtics. How apropos is it that LeBron James has to return to the city of Boston? Well, it sets up perfect. It's the first stop in our Cleveland Cavalier hit list of revenge tour. Um, we will play the Boston Celtics. Uh, we will dispose of the Boston Celtics fairly easily, I think. We may lose one game. They're going to be pretty jacked up for game three. Uh, but then after that, we're going to get our shot most likely at the Chicago Bulls and maybe a little bit of revenge for uh, all those years that uh, Mark Price and Brad Doherty and Larry Nance were denied NBA Finals appearances. And then we'll take it out on the Atlanta Hawks who think they're better than us. And uh, we've definitely had some history with them through the years. And then hopefully we get to settle the final score and take on the San Antonio Spurs, led by Tim Duncan, Father Time, and Greg Popovich. Yeah, you know, Captain Nohart, Greg Popovich, and Tim Duncan, I definitely would like to see them. And we'll have a full NBA playoff preview special you guys can check out. But we're talking about the Cavs versus Boston. We know Evan Turner, Ohio State's own uh, player, national player of the year. Evan Turner will probably be checking LeBron James. And, of course, we see another. We got a couple familiar faces that the Cavaliers will be facing against these Boston Celtics. Uh, We know Evan Turner, national player of the year for the Ohio State Buckeyes, will be facing LeBron James and probably be checking him. Uh, We know Tyler Zeller's revenge will be in full effect down low. He'll be banging with Miles Gobb. And then another familiar face, Jared Sullinger, will be out there banging around with Kevin Love. So this should be an interesting matchup, first-round matchup. But like you said, I think the Cavs will make short work. One of the things I want to just mention real quick, the playoff matchups, uh, it, uh, playoff games are all about matchups, rather. And it, it, it really comes down to the fact nobody in the league, um, you've got a lot of teams playing very well, playing hot, but nobody in the league can take it up two other levels with what the Cavs do. Uh, you talk about matchups. Nobody plays the way J.R. Smith does. Nobody plays the way LeBron James does. Nobody plays the way Kyrie does. 
somehow they all fit together out there. Nobody plays the way Kevin Love. You got so many guys with certain with such unique skill sets that literally the Cavs, if David Black pushes the right buttons and the right matchups against these teams, the Cavs really shouldn't have too many hard nights in these playoffs. They're going to have some difficult games and some different call environments, but they should be able to rise to the occasion and definitely take it up to that next level that you need in the NBA playoffs. And uh, I just can't wait. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, we're waiting for the schedule to come out. So excited for these Cleveland Cavaliers, this championship run. I feel it in my bones. I know it's going to happen. I'm just waiting to witness it. Yeah, you said it great. There's so many pieces that work together well now. Uh, and, you know, credit David Griffin with that. And and that extra gear, I think we saw it Saturday in the first half. J.R. Uh, Smith was just incredible. Uh, when he's when he's on and he gets open looks and get get his feet set, uh, he's just such a weapon out there. And Kyrie, we know, knocks down shots. So this team is made for half court and and then being able to get out and run on off of defense. So uh, I, I just hope their half court defense is good enough. Uh, that's the the one concern I have. But uh, other than that, I, I think offensively uh, we're in great shape. Yeah, well, we got the guy protecting the line. That's Timothy Mozgov back there to uh, secure up any of those guys that get by him. Uh, one other thing I'll say this. Uh, Tristan Thompson, we talked about LeBron James being the people's MVP. Tristan Thompson deserves an honorable mention as possible sixth man of the year. I mean, double-figure rebounds in under 20 minutes in most games. I mean, something impressive. I think Lou Williams of the Toronto Raptors will win, but shout-out to Tristan for that. Um, you know, the Cavs bench. You know, we. I'm just so excited about this Cavs team and this this championship run, um, the first round matchup. I definitely think the Cavs. Uh, they they got what it takes, and they got one more advantage that we're going to see, and we're going to see it early, and it's going to be so awesome. There is nothing like playoffs in the city of Cleveland. Yeah, I'm used to talking. No, I thought that would sound like a good way to to sum it up. All right, so we close out the show this week. Uh, we, we are, we're so excited for the Cavs playoff run. We know it's getting there, and that's why the title of the show is It Gets Real because, literally, it's, it's real now. The Cavs, the playoffs are starting. The NBA playoffs are starting. Uh, uh, it's real now with the Browns as we are on the the heels of our – we're on the precipice of the NFL draft. And finally, we got the uniforms that we were – we were waiting to see for years, and it's real now with the Indians. I mean, we're into the season. We've got the adversity that they've got to overcome, uh, and we see where the tribe will go from that. Hopefully Terry Francona takes some of our suggestions and makes some of his own to get this team going uh, in the right direction. And we can be over 500 here by the next time we talk to you here at Western Ohio. Bye. Most definitely still never a dull moment in Cleveland sports and Ohio sports, and uh, that's why we do it. We love it, and uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for interacting and uh, following us on social media and all that good stuff. You ain't going to say a good night to home. Yeah, thanks for listening. Be kind to one another. Take care of each other once they're wearing a Michigan jersey. Yeah, we appreciate every tweet, every favorite, every comment. Anyone and everyone who listens to this podcast, please share and like and follow us. Uh, if you have to email and tweet, you know, send us a pigeon Mike Tyson style. 
Uh, your thoughts, agree, disagree. The discussion of our favorite teams is our passion and it fuels our fandom. Uh, we say a special salute to the medical professionals out there, doctors, nurses, caregivers, anybody that eases the pain of those in pain. A special prayer to all the troops in service, the veterans that have returned, and another special prayer to anybody that's behind enemy lines or missing in action. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. As always, go Browns, go Cavs, go CDJ, roll tribe, MMA, hell yeah, wrestling is will. As always, go Bucks undisputed national champions, OH. I.O. Let's do this NBA show real quick. Uh, we'll just go through the matchups. Well, do we have the matchups yet? Is it official? Yeah, Pelicans just clinched. Um, the Pelicans just clinched. Okay. No, Pelicans. Okay. Okay. She's out. No, they're no, no, no. Hold on, I'm watching the highlight right now. Actually, they're up ninety to eighty-three on the Spurs. Actually, in the fourth quarter. That's the only one that matters. The Pacers are in. The Pacers of the eight seed. Oh no! Hold on, Milwaukee, Washington. They might just flip a little bit with the sequences. Um, we talk about it generally. We'll just talk about it generally. You know what I'm saying? I mean, New Orleans is not beating Golden State. I mean, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, or OKC. Right. I just got to tape it because I'm not going to have any other time this weekend to tape it. That's the other yeah, that's fine. Um, Did OKC win? They beat Minnesota, right? Let me see. I'm trying to. I was looking at the bottom. Hold on. The only thing that might change is the seating. Like, I think Spurs dropped down two or three. Yeah, we're not going to be able to talk about matchups because the West is completely foobarred until tonight's over. Because the Spurs could be anywhere. I remember uh, Ernie Johnson read it last night. I saw that clip. As long as you're beating Minnesota. As long as you're beating Minnesota. If the Thunder beat Minnesota and the Spurs beat the Pelicans, the Thunder are in. If the Pelicans beat the Spurs, then the Pelicans are in, period. Oh, the Pelicans are up by seven points. Six minutes ago, left in that. So let's talk about the East, and then hopefully maybe we'll have a better score on that score. I'll watch it here. All right. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Well, how much time you got tonight? Uh, want me to call back in a half hour? No, we'll just uh, uh we can. Well, let's just take a Sunday. I didn't know the games will be over. Can you do it Sunday morning? Yeah, either that or I, I could do it first thing tomorrow morning, early. No, I won't be able to do it. How early? Okay. Uh, I don't know, seven. Yeah, I can do seven. Ooh. It's only gonna be it's gonna be twenty minutes. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. You wanna do seven o'clock then? Yeah, I'll get up early and I'll put a pot of coffee on. Okay. All right, we'll do that then. All right, I'll uh, talk to you at seven then. Okay, thanks, man. All right, that's good stuff.
Going back down. What's going on? Because we can't, we were just discussing whether or not, um, because of, like, there's like two games going on right now that are going to decide the West, like, Kyle's going to see that, that's what we can't even do the, uh. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.